Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in us. Was the, was the power at that point. Um, and judging from uh, what's mentioned in the first book, uh, or the first verse uh, about the Israelite kings, Hosea looks to a prophesied for nearly 40 years, and he was the only writing prophet that came from the northern kingdom. And when I say the northern kingdom, he was, he was an Israelite. He wasn't from Judah. Um, God, at that point, had a really kind of special relationship with Judah, and Israel, a lot of times, um, was separated from that. Uh, they chose to separate themselves from that. Um, Hosea lived in the final days of an independent northern kingdom, uh, during which six Israelite kings reigned over just 25 years. And if you go back and you read Kings, you realize that, um, you know, typically kings at that period of time stayed a little while. And during Hosea's prophecy and during the time that he prophesied, um, they were swapping them out pretty quick. Um, four of the kings, Zechariah, Shalem, Pekahiah, and Pekah, were murdered by their successors while in power. And one, Hosea, was captured in battle. And only one, Menahem, was succeeded on the throne by his son. Um, but Menahem kind of blew it because uh, as Assyria was expanding, Menahem basically said, you know what, I'm going to make a league with Assyria because, you know, they're so powerful and I want to have um, the benefit of a relationship with them. I'm going to put that relationship first in the kingdom. And as Assyria was expanding, uh, again, Menahem accepted Assyria's overlord and began to pay tribute to Assyria. Uh, shortly afterward, Israel was split up and uh, one Menahem's son and his successor was killed. So uh, once again, um, you know, a uh, uh, successor to Menahem after Menahem stepped down out of the kingdom, um, you know, was killed. Only the territories of Ephraim and western Manasseh were left to the king of Israel, and eventually um, the very last king, King Hosea, was deemed disloyal to Assyria, and Assyria exiled the remaining Israelites, and that brought the end, to the nor end of the northern kingdom for quite a few years. Um, so this is kind of where Hosea was at when, when he wrote the book. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read from Hosea 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Berea, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, when the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land committed great harlotry by departing the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived and bore him a son. First time I heard the book of Hosea, and I was, you know, I was probably still a teenager, and, you know, I thought, well, geez, that's really a weird name for a lady, Gomer. I mean, when you grow up with Andy Griffith and, and you think of Gomer, that's, that's, that's not what you think of. But um, Gomer um, was a wife picked out for Hosea by God. Um, God knowing fully what she was. Um, 
you know, she, she wasn't faithful to Hosea, um, at least at first. Um, Hosea's marriage to Gomer was intended to illustrate God's ongoing relationship with Israel. Um, Israel wasn't being faithful to God. Uh, God brought Israel out of Egypt into a land of provision and promise. And instead of worshiping God and drawing closer to him, uh, Israel sacrificed to Baal. Now, Baal uh, was the name of the God worshipped in ancient Canaan. Um, basically, Baal worship started uh, about the time of the judges, and it really got going when Ahab uh, was king uh, in Israel. So, I mean, um, and Baal, for all intents and purposes, if you think about Baal, you just need to keep in your mind it's idolatry. Um, you know, Baal was basically the Canaanite god of everything from the harvest to, um, you know, fruitfulness among its women to, you, know, you name it. I, I mean, whatever, whatever they wanted in their life, whatever they wanted to put before God, that's what Baal was the god of. Um, and idolatry is really a way of the way man has to replace his relationship with God. When he doesn't want to have a relationship with God, um, you know, he go, goes ahead and sets up idols in his life. And those idols can take many different forms. Uh, they can be material possessions. They can be fleshly lusts. Um, and sadly, they can even be relationship with other people. Um, anything that comes before your relationship with God, no matter how pure it might look, is idolatry. And, and it, can really, it can really get you into trouble. And it did with Israel. Um, and here's where we f start to see a glimpse of God's character in the situation. Um, even though God was angry at Israel for going after other gods, uh, he was chiefly concerned with showing Israel a path back to him. So, I, I mean, a lot of times we think that God doesn't get angry. I think he was probably pretty angry here. Um, you know, but more than anger, he was hurt. And, and you know, he, he watched his children. He watched his nation uh, basically go after, um, you know, idols, things that, that weren't God, things that weren't him. And, and they replaced his place with these things. And, um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, we focus on the New Testament, and I think we have to. I mean, th that, is, that is where our, our salvation lies. Um, but the one thing I will say is that when you read the Old Testament, you kind of, you know, God doesn't change. God was God then, he's God now, and his character hasn't changed through that whole time. Um, you know, and he basically was not happy with Israel at this point. Um, God doesn't want his children separated from him, and unrepentant sin keeps us from a right relationship with God. Uh, Romans eight thirty eight through 39 tells us, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other thing created shall be able to separate us from the love of God which, Christ, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's true. Um, there's never a place where you're going to go where God can't come and get you. I mean, you can't separate yourself um, from him. But if you sin, in, sin intentionally and do not repent, we can ignore God's grace and love in our lives. And, and that happens all too often. Um, we turn our back on him, and at that point, God does what he can um, within the constraints of our free will to bring us back into relationship. Now, keep in mind that God made us totally different than all other creation. We have a free will. Um, we have the opportunity to obey, to listen, to build relationship with him, to stay in his presence, 
or we have the ability to go and do our own thing. And while he's going to go ahead and convict us, talk to us about it, even in this case, um, you know, made things tough on Israel to kind of get them to turn back towards him, he's not going to force them to love him. Um, in Hosea, he did that, you know, at that point, God did what he could, uh, you know, to bring Israel back in a relationship. And in Hosea, he did that by making it difficult for Israel to receive provision from other nations. Israel at that point was basically willing to pay um, tribute to Assyria. They were also at that point going back towards Egypt and saying, you know what, help us out in, a situa in this situation. And they didn't really know, you know, which power was going to come out on top, Egypt or Assyria. So, you know, the king at that point was kind of hedging his bets a little bit. And he was trying to make league with, you know, with both of these nations. And the whole time, God was basically saying, you need to be, you know, focused on me, not on these two other nations, but that's not where Israel headed. So with that said, I want to go ahead and talk just a little bit about, um, you know, kind of what happened. Um, and, and it's really, it, it can be a lesson for us today. Uh, so go to Hosea uh, book two now, and we're going to go ahead and read verses five through seven. For their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has behaved shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers who give me bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her pass. She will chase her lovers but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband for then it was better for me than now. So basically what God did is, is kind of walled Israel in. Um, you know, showed a very clear path to come back to God, to him. Um, and if you, and again, you have to kind of understand what's going on in Hosea's life at the same time. His wife had left him, um, you know, basically went out and uh, was living with other men and, and basically had uh, her provision provided by these other men. But these other men, started to not provide for her anymore in the same way Assyria and Egypt stopped providing for Israel. And in this way, God kind of shifted, um, you know, the focus of Israel, or in this case, Gomer actually had her focus uh, kind of shifted back towards Hosea. So basically, God could have walked away from the covenant that he had with Israel. He could have. Um, Israel broke the covenant. Um, they had no more rights under the covenant. By rights, um, you know, God could have been done with them. But here's where we see the second point in God's character that makes a difference in the life of the Israelites and really in the life of every believer. God's love, compassion, and faithfulness are great towards his creation. If you take a look at Psalms 86:15, But you, O Lord, are God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. And again in Psalms 145, 8-9, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. God loves us. I, I mean, even when we're unlovable, even when we do things that are terrible, even when we turn our back on Him, even when we idol worship or go play the, forgive my words, the horror with, with someone else, um, He still loves us. You know, God's love isn't dependent on what we do. God loves because that's who he is. Um, but 
you know, we still have a responsibility in that relationship. God wants to have a relationship with him, but who knows that relationship is really a two-way street. In short, God's covenant, love, and mercy are more powerful than our sin. God's character, specifically his faithfulness, is shown in the third chapter of Hosea. So I'm going to read from Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Then the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by a lover and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love the raisin cakes of the pagans. So I bought her for myself 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley, and I said to her, You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man, so too I will be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillar, without ephod or teraphim. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and the fear of the Lord and his goodness, and, fear, and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Imagine what Gomer felt like when she saw Hosea uh, coming back after her. Now, she knows what she's done. Um, you know, she had Hosea's kids. They had three kids by this point. And, you know, she basically had abandoned the children and abandoned him and went to live with other men. And here comes Hosea, prompted by God, go back and, and, and take her again. And, and basically what Hosea does is has to pay, uh, talk about a bitter pill, had to pay these guys that were sleeping with his wife and providing for his wife to take his wife back to him. Cost him something. Um, I'm sure that dealt with Hosea's pride. Uh, I'm sure that made Hosea feel not so happy, but he did it because he loved Homer. Um, God did the same thing with Israel and continues to do the same thing with his church today because he loves his children. He loves his creation. Once again, no matter what Homer did, you know, Hosea, Hosea's response to that was, you know, come back. There's still a place for you. We still have a life together. And God says the same thing to Israel. So why, does, why do God's people sometimes break fellowship with him? Um, why do we sometimes choose our own fleshly and sinful ways over a relationship with God? Um, God told Hosea it was because we don't really know him. We don't understand really who God is. So if you go to Hosea chapter 4, um, verses 1 and 6, it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, and the Lord brings a charge against the inhabitants of the land. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priests for me because you have forgotten the law of your God and I will forget your children. Israel did not know the character of God because they, not, they didn't spend any time building a relationship with him. Um, even when they were brought into the promised land, um, they chose to, it, it was easier to basically worship Baal you know, then spend time building a relationship with God. And that ought to sound kind of familiar to all of us. Um, it's easier in today's world to, you know, get our information kind of, you know, packaged up really neatly for us by the, te by the television or by the internet. And it's a whole lot easier to basically listen to other people's experiences and, and, and kind of, you know, just say, okay, well, that must be the way that it is for me. Um, think about your best friend or your closest family member. 
how long did it take you uh, to get to know that person? Um, now, I have people in my life that I've known for years that it still takes effort to be able to, to get to know that person, to be able to understand that person, to be able to understand that person's character, to be able to know how that person's going to react uh, when something happens. And the only way you get there is by spending time with that person. I can't get to know Glenn by talking to Caleb about him. Um, I can't get to know, you know, Cy. Um, well, maybe I could by, by speaking a little bit to LaRoyce, but I'm not really going to get to know Cy as well as I could if, you know, if I didn't spend some time talking to him. Um, so while it doesn't happen overnight, and it doesn't happen without a lot of effort, God wants, to extend, wants us to extend ourselves in our relationship with him and show him some faithfulness too. Um, when it's hard, um, you know, to be absolutely honest, there's some days in your flesh that you don't want to get up and pray. Um, I make it a habit and, and, and sometimes, you know, fail at it, uh, but I try to make it a habit to pray in the morning because by the time I get home at night, uh, that chair feels pretty soft and, and my eyes get pretty heavy. Uh, so I try to make time in the morning to pray. That could be totally different for everybody in this room, but it, it's a sacrifice for me and my flesh to do that. Um, you know, but it, it's one that I've found that helps me kind of keep relationship with God. Now, there's sometimes when you pray that, you know, you might go through a dry time where you don't hear a lot from God. Um, God might not be, you know, pointing toward any one thing in your life at that point, but you still have to trust that he's there and that he's hearing you. And you go through those dry times to the times when you can actually, you know, hear him again or hear what he has to say to you. And, and oftentimes those dry times are probably something more in your life and not in God's. But uh, it takes that type of, uh, of relationship with God to be able to, to start to understand who he is. And once you have that knowledge of who God is, once you start to understand who God is as a person, it makes it a whole lot easier to have relationship with him because he's good. I mean, our God is a good God. Um, so let's talk about being faithful. And I want to read now from Hosea chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? Your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the, dew, and like the early dew it goes away. Therefore I have hoon hewn them by the prophets and I have slain them by the words of my mouth and your judgments are like the light that goes forth for I desire mercy and not sacrifice and knowledge of God more than burnt offerings so think about what Israel was was basically doing at that point it was easier for them to basically bring a sin offering into the temple on Saturdays I believe Saturdays was the day and and offer that sin offering up for you know what they had done during the week as opposed to staying in relationship and not sinning. So they felt like as long as they were bringing that offering in, um, you know, everything was going to be okay and God was just going to turn his head and look the other way. Well, that's not what God wanted. Uh, he said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice and knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. He wanted time with them. He wanted them to understand who he was. He wanted them to stop sinning. And he knew that the only way that that was going to happen was for them to spend some time with him. Our relationship for God must come first, even before relationships with each other. 
God wants us to know him and experience his love. In order to have a relationship with God, we must be faithful to him. Just like Homer needed to be faithful to Hosea and Israel needed to be faithful to God. Um, However, throughout history, we know that that doesn't happen all the time. Believers have shown time and time again that they can't stay faithful without God's help. In our unredeemed state, man is fallible. I believe it was Jeremiah who basically said, our hearts are wicked. Who can know the bottom of them? But where we are weak, God is strong. Hosea's prophecy foreshadows what God is going to do to make a way for us. Um, Israel's redemption outlined in Hosea's prophecy was fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came as Israel's representative, and in his death, he became the one who bore our curse um, because of the broken covenant. Now, if you think about what covenant means, it's it's a contract. Um, That's the way I think of it because that's what I deal with a lot at work. But when, when, when someone breaks a contract, there's usually repercussions. There's usually things that kind of kick in that happen. Um, you know, so for example, uh, I work out at the university and I, I get to pay bills. If I don't pay bills on time after a contractor gets done doing work at the university, then he can charge me interest or he can charge me penalties or he can do different things, you know, because I've broken that contract. And if I do enough bad things, then the contract is null and void. And, and then he can basically, you know, take the university to court. Well, in, in the same type of situation here, um, you know, Israel broke the covenant with God. But what he did, and, and this is the amazing part of who God is, is he sent his son to restore the covenant, a new covenant. Um, Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So everything that Israel had done when they broke the covenant, all the curse that they had brought down on themselves, Jesus came to take all that for them. And if you think about it, as proxy, he really did the same thing for us. Um, Now, without offending anyone, and I sure don't mean to do that, there's no one in this room that probably deserved God's grace. I know I didn't. And yet, he sent his son to basically make a way for me that I didn't have to spend the rest of my life, you know, spend eternity in hell. So Jesus laid down his life for his bride, which is the church, buying her back from slavery to sin, just like Hosea bought Gomer back. It cost Jesus something. Um, But Jesus' resurrection is what justifies us. And, and, And basically... It just blew my mind this morning when, um, you know, when that kind of showed up in the song. Um, Romans four twenty four through 25, It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. God ha- Jesus had to be resurrected. It wasn't enough for him to die on the cross for us. He had to be resurrected because that was our justification. Once he came back to life, we were justified in God's eyes. We were saved, ransomed, purchased, adopted, made whole, and put back into right relationship with God through through the death and resurrection of Jesus. When we accept redemption, we have an opportunity to repent and come back into right relationship with God. Uh, Redemption and repentance are central to the latter part of the book of Hosea. 
So now I'm going to read from chapter 14. And if you've ever read Hosea, and I'm sure most of you have, um, it, it can be difficult to get through parts of it because Hosea was kind of wrote things almost in poetry. And I'm not a big poetry guy, but chapter 14 really does a good job of, of showing what God did uh, for the people of Israel. So I'm going to go chapter 14, verses 4 through 9. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him, and I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. The scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim, and when Ephraim, when he says Ephraim, that normally means Israel, the northern you know, the northern uh, nation. Ephraim shall say, what have I to do anymore with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord's, Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. What does that sound like? Yeah, that sounds like, you know, the chief cornerstone, right? Some folks are going to stumble at the chief cornerstone. You know, it's going to make them stumble. Um, and, and that's a good thing because, you know what, once you understand where you've come up short, once you understand what's keeping you from a relationship with God, you can go ahead and start to address that with him. You can start to be obedient to his voice. You can start to understand what God wants of you. Now, you're not going to do it perfect. God knows I haven't. But once you start to understand that God loves you no matter what you do, but he still wants that relationship. In order to have that relationship, you know, he's looking to redeem you, and he's also looking for some repentance from you. Once you start to understand those things, you can move on with him. God's heart has always been to save and heal his people. Our relationship with God is made possible by the work of Jesus Christ. Now, one more lesson about God's character. The book of Hosea shows that God is long-suffering. He allows himself to be wronged. He gives all that he has to redeem those who don't deserve it. In short, God will not change who he is based on what others do to him or don't do for him. So now start to think about your, you know, you get in right relationship with God and, and, and you understand what God's done to go ahead and bring you into that right relationship. How much less can you do for others? We all have people in our lives that have disappointed us time and again that we look at and we say, you know what, it's just another time that, you know, that they've screwed up, that they've done me wrong, that, you know, I, I've almost come to expect it of that person. But you know what? That doesn't mean that lets you off the hook for loving them. That doesn't mean that lets you off the hook for, you know, sticking your neck out for them one more time. That doesn't mean that lets you off the hook for, you know, praying for them and standing in the gap for them because that's what Jesus did for us and still does for us. Um, even after you're a believer, you're going to mess up. Even after you're saved, you're going to fall sometimes. And thank God that he is always there to pick us up and stand in the gap for us. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be discipline sometimes. You know, the word says that you know, he doesn't love you as a child if you don't get disciplined every once in a while. Um, I have two boys, and there are probably times that... Um, they didn't think discipline was a real gift. Um, 
but at, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I'd like to say I was perfect like God, that I disciplined them always because I loved them, and that would be a lie. That's not the truth. Um, but you know what? I was always there to be their dad when the discipline part was over. And that's the same way that, that God is with us. I mean, things aren't always going to be rosy, but he's always going to be there. He's always going to be standing in the gap for us. He's always going to be there to love us back into his kingdom. And it says that we're drawn by his love. You know, God might close off avenues that we want to go after and, and kind of steer us back towards him. But he doesn't do those things because he doesn't love us. He doesn't because he loves us. Um, as his children, our relationship with him should foster the same character in us. So the next time someone disappoints us, hurts us, ignores us, or even chooses someone else over us, remember how God acted in those situations. And remember what God told Hosea to do. I mean, Hosea basically, a as a spouse, had one of the hardest things, you know, to do. Um, you know, he had every right to walk away. But God told him, persevere, be long-suffering, stick in there, because that's who I am. And you know what? That's what I want Israel to see. I want Israel to see my character. It's probably shorter than some of what you know, you've heard, but um, that's basically the book of Hosea in a nutshell. And I truly believe that uh, it's something that, you know, specifically the church today can, can profit from, you know, kind of by listening to that adage. So thank you. It was shorter, Mike, and they're, they're grateful. <laughs> Hallelujah. One thing I always appreciate in listening to, to Mike is he lays it out line upon line. And hits right where we really are. God, God's been talking to me about this this week, Mike. It's, uh, but not laying it out like that. And I'm sitting there thinking, we're Gomer. <laughs> and the, but the truth is that there's going to be a lot happening around us in the coming year, years, probably more than one. But we need to keep our focus. We need to realize that, that we're doing something that transcends what happens nationally. And a lot, of what, a lot of what God's people go through has to do with what a nation has done. And they have to go through it with their nation. So I'm not going to get into the politics of anything. I couldn't because I've chosen for the last three years not to watch politics, not to, not to get into that, but to get into the kingdom. And that's a great job, Mike. It puts it out before us. And there's going to be people coming. God's going to ask us to love them, and they're going to have done some of us wrong. But He's not going to ask you if it's okay. He's going to put them here and say, now you deal with it. <laughs> and that's what we do in the kingdom of God. I'd never seen before that, that Hosea had to buy back Gomer. I'd never seen that. I'd been through that book several times. What an amazing concept that, you, that God bought us back with the life of his son. And he's going to buy back some other people with your lives. But once again, Mike, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for coming.